0: Amen. Amen. Man, aren't you glad Jesus is alive today? Amen. I mean, for real. Uh, not, not a churchy thing or anything like that, but you know, there, I just love what John was saying. You know, there comes a point when, you know, you've got you've to ask yourself, the songs that I sing and the stuff we say and the fears that I have, man, at what point? does Jesus just overwhelm those and begin to change the landscape of my life? Do you know what I mean? And, and not, that, not that there's ever a place where, where we don't have fears and struggles, nobody's perfect, but I'm just telling you, if Jesus is alive today, I mean, if Jesus has really swallowed up death, then, man, I don't know what you carried in here today, but that's a game changer. That changes the landscape for the baggage and the fears that you have. The lights came on, right? Um, uh, for whatever you had in here, man, that Jesus is alive changes everything, okay? It really does. And so I just want us to just lean into that today, that Jesus is alive. I don't know what your fear is. Um, I was sharing in the first service. Uh, man, a lot of times when I'm singing songs, especially what we were singing this morning, I just think to myself, where do I not believe this? You know, where do I not, where, where, am I, uh, where am I living like and believing like? Jesus, you're still in the grave somewhere because, Summit, can I just tell you that the grave is empty this morning and Jesus is alive and he has swallowed up death in all of our fears. And so that just changes the landscape uh, here that Jesus is alive with us, man. I just love that. And if you're here for the very first time, I do want to welcome you. My name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're excited to have you here. We're kicking off a new series. I'm going to share that more about that in just a moment. But we are excited to have you here today if you're a very first time Uh, guest with us today. If you are here for the very first time, we got a free gift for all first timers. All you got to do is fill out that connection card. It's probably on the back of the seat in front of you or in your seat if you're uh, towards the front. And we got a free gift for you. Just fill out that card as much as you can or want to. Take it to the welcome area out there in the lobby and we'll just exchange that card for the gift and we'll send you on your way. Um, But you know what? I want us all to know, you know, Jesus does not want us to just come to church on Sunday mornings. He wants a relationship with us. Sunday mornings are great, but God has a next step for every single one of us and, and what God wants is God wants a growing relationship with you and you might be here and you're thinking, listen, that's new for me. I've never thought about that or how do I get that started? If you have questions about that, I would love to talk to you uh, for a few moments after church. I'll be out there at the welcome area like I just said and if you have questions about uh, how, do I, how do I, where do I start reading in the Bible? How do I start to grow as a Christian? Mark, I think I need to get baptized. Uh, should I be baptized? How can I uh, become a, a partner here, a member here? of this church. I I would just love to come alongside of you today and help you figure out what your next step is in your relationship with Jesus, all right? Uh, So I just want to invite you to do that today. Take a moment, man. It won't take long. Just take a moment. Don't leave today until whatever God is doing in your life, don't leave until that business with God is taken care of, all right? It's worth it to stick around for all right? Hey, I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna dive in this morning as we kick off a brand new series. I wanna pray for us this morning, so let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, I pray that right now you would just come and you would speak to us, God. You would speak to us, uh, God, where we're afraid, where we're distracted, Jesus, where we w- kind of walked in and expected church as usual. God, I pray that you would come and right now and you just interrupt that, that, Father, you would wake us up to who you are, and anything that you want to say, do in this room, we, are, we say yes to it. We are open this morning. So, God, I pray that you'd speak, and, and God, that that you would use me today. God, I, I, have, I have nothing to do here today apart from you. And Jesus, I pray for help. I pray that you'd help me. I pray you help all of us to hear. We don't really need another sermon, but we do need to hear from you. And so God, you can take the words that I'm gonna say and words that I'm not even planning to say right now, but maybe you just speak through in that moment. But God, you can take whatever is said and apply it in a million different ways. And so do that. Do what none of us could plan to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are kicking today off a brand new series called I Love Hazard. And uh, so we're going to explain the title, explain. We've got several things we're going to do with this series uh, that we're going to explain later on. But I don't know if you knew this or not. This is not shocking or anything like that. But how many people know uh, Eastern Kentucky and Hazard? They don't get a lot of love uh, in in the conversation, say, on the media, uh, national media, or anything like that. Maybe in conversations a lot of us are having, just talking about the community we live in. Hazard in Eastern Kentucky doesn't get a lot of love. Do you know that? Right? You know that, right? So I I don't know if you, I I, I was thinking about that a couple weeks ago, uh, putting this together, and I Googled Eastern Kentucky and Hazard. Have you ever Googled Eastern Kentucky and Hazard? You should. It's a really eye-opening experience. If you Google Eastern Kentucky, the first at least 200 hits, are from Eastern Kentucky University. They have bought the domain, they've bought those Google AdWords, Eastern Kentucky, and when you type that in, you get a link to every single space on their website. So I don't know, when I saw that, I don't know uh, who's working for Eastern Kentucky University's social media and web team, but kudos to them, because they just bought the AdWords, Eastern Kentucky, and that's what you get. If you scroll down a couple pages, you get this article from the New York Times that kind of made its way around a couple of years ago. What's the matter with Eastern Kentucky. Just the title alone says it's really encouraging and uplifting right, right, even the license plate, if anybody actually got that license plate, um, wow, that's tremendous, that's great, right, but, that, but that's just, it, you can tell the article is not gonna be really encouraging, it's not gonna shed a lot of positive light on uh, eastern Kentucky, then I googled Hazard, if you google Hazard, the first thing that comes up is Hazard's Wikipedia page, second thing is Hazard's uh, page on, uh, on uh, 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 Travelocity, I didn't know Hazard has had a page on Travelocity. So I clicked on it, and uh, and on Travelocity, you can book a room at the Hampton, and it says you should go to the Mother Goose. That's what it says. Mother Goose has four out of five stars, guys, online. It's a huge thing. People are coming from all over. Scroll down a little bit further, you see this article from CNN. It's about hazard in a small Kentucky coal town. Joblessness leads to a health crisis. You read those articles. Here's the solution for both those articles. Both those articles come down to this point We don't know if there's a future for Eastern Kentucky or Hazard. There's probably not one. Everyone should leave. Maybe that's how you talk about it. Maybe that's how your friends talk about it. We don't know if there's a future. We don't know what's gonna happen. Everyone should just leave Eastern Kentucky and Hazard. This place is gonna be a ghost town. And so if that's the solution, okay, if that's the solution, everyone should leave, here's a really good question. Why are we here? I mean, not in this building. I mean, literally, why are you here in eastern Kentucky? Why are you here in Hazard? Why are we here? And some of you are hearing that and you're thinking, well, I mean, this is just where my family's always been. I mean, we just grew up here, you know, generations ago. Somebody moved here. My family, we've always lived here. My parents grew up here. This, I, I've just always lived here. And listen, those answers are fine. But see, as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, we should ask why, in light of everywhere else in the entire world that God could have put us, why has God put us here? Not only that, out of every single point in history when God could have determined that you and I would live, why did God plan for you and I to live at this point in history? I mean, you might hear that and think, listen, I don't even think God has anything to do with that. I want you to know God has everything to do with that. I'll show it to you in one verse. Acts 17, 26. Watch this. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined, watch this, allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. This is Paul, and Paul is preaching, and Paul says this. From Adam, God has planned out and determined. It is an act of the sovereignty of God. That means that God is in absolute control of all things, including where you live and when you live that God is in control, that it is no accident that you and I find ourselves here at this point in history. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. Maybe you just kind of thought about it and just took it for granted, but I don't want us to take it for granted. I wanna, I wanna say it this morning. Did you know God loves hazard? Did you know that, right? Did you know that God loves Eastern Kentucky, right? Two of you know that. Everybody else is, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Thank God he gave us a Walmart, but I don't know. I don't know. Right? See, God loves Eastern Kentucky. God loves Hazard. Here's the question. Do we? Do I? Do you? I mean, I mean, do we share God's heart for our community? Or do we resent it? Roll our eyes at it. We're cynical about it. Everything we say is negative. It's always a put down. See, here's the thing we have to understand here. As followers of Jesus, as God's people, we got to understand this morning, God wants us to settle for nothing less than the total transformation of Eastern Kentucky. Did you know that? Listen, is Eastern Kentucky broken? Does Hazard have problems? Absolutely. Every place is broken. Hello? Every place has problems. Does it have to be this way? Absolutely not, right? And, and so, so what we wanna do over the course of this series is we wanna try to get God's heart for Eastern Kentucky. But if God is gonna change the landscape of our community, if God wants to totally transform Hazard and Eastern Kentucky, then God has to do a transformation in my heart and in your heart. God's got to change our our hearts. See, when we talk about transformed people transforming the world, that's our mission statement, put it on the wall out there in the lobby. When we talk about transformed people transforming the world, the transformation that we're talking about is not we give our lives to Jesus and then we wait to go to heaven. Listen, praise God that Jesus saves us from our sin. Hello? Thank God Jesus saves us from an eternity separated from him. Thank God that Jesus saves us from a life without him. But Summit, can I tell you this morning that Jesus did not just save you from something, he saved you for something. Jesus says the church is the salt and light of the world. Light always pushes back darkness. Salt is a transforming agent. So God has not called the church to complain about culture, point fingers at the culture. God has called the church to transform the culture. So we can look at the world and we can say, how it's really dark out there. It's really bad out there. Have you seen what's happening out there in the world that we live in? Have you seen what's happening in our schools? Have you seen what's happening in Hazard? Have you seen what's happening in Eastern Kentucky? And here's where a lot of Christians have missed the, bo- missed the point is we've made our church buildings bunkers and bomb shelters where we point at the world, we yell at the world, we say someone should do something about the world, and the entire time God is in heaven saying someone should do something about it, and it's all of you. It's all of us. It's the church, right? And, and so, so we want to get, over the next couple of weeks in the series, we want to get God's heart for our region. Because as God would change our heart, if God would do that kind of work in me, if God would do that kind of work in all of us, I believe that we would be transformed. And I believe that our city, our region, our community would begin to be transformed. All right. So if you got a Bible, if you got a Bible, I want you to open it up to Jeremiah chapter 29. All right, Jeremiah chapter 29. We're gonna be there all morning, so go ahead and open it up, turn it on on your phone. If you don't have anything like that, uh, the words are gonna be on the screen behind me. We're gonna read verses one through 14. Jeremiah chapter 29, one through 14. All right, let's go ahead and read this. Let's jump right in. These are the words of the letter That Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed. From Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Watch this, verse 4 Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they're prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Here's the verse that we all have on pillows and coffee mugs. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now let's set that into context so we can understand what's happening here. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come into Jerusalem and they kidnap and capture God's people, the Israelites. They were in God's city, Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come in and they kidnap, capture all of the Israelites. They are now exiles, meaning they're in a place they're not from, in a place not their home, in a place they were never meant to stay for a long time. They are exiles in Babylon. Now, if you don't know anything about the Bible, if you've never heard the word Babylon, let me kind of unpack what Babylon is, why it's a big deal in the Bible. To make a long story short, Babylon was Vegas before Vegas was Vegas, all right? If you don't know anything about Babylon, that's what basically you need to know. Before Vegas was Sin City, Babylon was Sin City. I mean, in in Genesis 11, there's a story called the Tower of Babel, you know that story, right? And what happens in that story, if you don't know that story, is the people there in that, uh, in, that, uh, in that city, at that time, they come together and they say, listen, we don't need to worship any God. We're God, we can do anything we want to if we set our mind to it. Let's build a tower, a monument in honor of us to say we don't need gods, we're our own God. And so that doesn't go well, if you know that story. But, but that's kind of the trajectory of Babel. The book of Revelation, book of Revelation, calls Babylon the mother of all prostitutes and an abomination of the earth. How would you like to have that on the the sign of your state as you drive in? Right? See See all kinds of people go on vacation, they get their kids out of the car when they cross into the state they're going to, have their kids pose with the state sign. You know, Florida, the sunshine state. You know, imagine that. Babylon, mother of prostitutes. Honey, get the kids out of the car. Let's take a picture. It's a great place. It's a great place. (laughs) And God's people looked around. They said, we don't want to be here. This is the last place we want to be. We don't want to raise our kids here. We don't want to do business here. We don't want to live in homes here. This place is God forsaken. We want out. I mean, here's probably some of the conversations that Israel was having about Babylon. See if any of these things uh, sound familiar. There's no future here. No future in Babylon. Babylon's a dead end town. Nobody, uh, there's nothing to do here. There's nothing for our kids here. There's nothing for us here. Surely God wouldn't want us to live here. And there were some prophets, false prophets that heard what Israel was saying. That's why God comes to them and says, don't listen to those prophets, they're liars. In verses eight and nine, false prophets come to Israel and they begin—they they, they scratch the itch that Israel has and they say, hey, listen, listen, God loves you too much to leave you in this God-forsaken town. Y'all are leaving, pack your bags. Baby, we are going back to Jerusalem. God has heard and is gonna answer your prayer. And then Jeremiah comes and he says, no. Instead, listen to what Jeremiah says. Look at it. Verse 7, verse 5 rather, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. In other words, you're living here for a while. I don't want you to hate Babylon. I don't want you to resist Babylon. I don't want you to talk about Babylon. I want you to welcome Babylon with open arms. Build a house there and plant a garden. In fact, he doesn't even stop there. He says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take your wives for your sons and give your daughters and marriage. Raise your family here. Let your kids go to school here. Let your kids play on the ball teams here. I want you to to raise your family here. And then he says this in verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city, whom I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. Watch this. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In other words, listen, listen, listen. Move into Babylon and make Babylon a good place to live. Seek the welfare, the upbuilding, the prosperity, the advancement of Babylon. You can complain about Babylon or you can change it. And so God says, I want you to seek the welfare of the city. The idea that God has given them is this Hebrew word shalom. And, And the Hebrew word shalom, it means peace. And when we think peace, we think, uh, we, when we think about peace, we think peaceful, easy feeling, you know, like the prophets of old used to sing about. That was a joke. You got it. 9.30 didn't get that. 9.30 grabbed their Bibles. They were like, where's that at? Right. Um, love the 1115. And um, peace, the, the shalom is not a peaceful feeling. When, when, when he's talking about peace in Hebrew, the idea of shalom, it means that wherever society is broken, go there and try to fix it. Go there and try to bring peace. Go there and try to bring uh, fulfillment. Go there and try to bring wholeness. So Israel, if Babylon's economy is broken, try to do something about it. If the education system is broken, try to do something about it. If families are hurting, uh, Israel, try to do something about it. I want you to bring shalom. I want you to seek the goodness, the welfare of the city. You are going to be there, God says, for 70 years. So don't make it all about you. I want to use you while you're And I want to give you my heart for Babylon and Summit. What if God wants to do the same thing for us where we're at? Hello? What if God wants to give us his heart for eastern Kentucky for Hazard? Because do you know that God loves this town? God has a plan for this city. God has a future for this city. And God has put us in this city. So I think there's three things that God would wanna show us here out of this passage from Jeremiah 29. If you and I are gonna begin to love Hazard, love Eastern Kentucky the way that God does, if our hearts are gonna begin to reflect his heart, I think there's three things I want us to see today, three things that we need to see from this passage. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. It's that you and I, we are citizens of a different kingdom. We are citizens of a different kingdom. That's exactly what he says, Jeremiah to the Israelites. There, verse 20, uh, chapter twenty-nine, uh, verse one, and all of it. There, you are exiles. You don't. You're not from there. You don't live there. You are from out of town. Where you are now is not your home. Summit. Did you know that this world is not our home? Listen. Not only is Hazard not our home. This whole world is not our home. Hello. It's what Peter says. Look at it. 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I urge you, watch, 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 as what? Foreigners and exiles. They were exiles. What what are we, exiles? Your Bible might actually say this in 1 Peter 2.11. Your Bible might actually say that we're aliens. I love the way the author of Hebrews puts it. The author of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. This world is not our permanent home. This world is not our home. You ever know, been somewhere, maybe you've been out of town this summer and it happened to you, somebody heard you say something and they, and they caught your accent and they said, hey, you're not from here. Has that happened to you this summer or recently? And what they all don't realize is they're the ones with the accent, we're the ones that have it all together. It's the world's problem, not ours, right? Amen. Amen. It, it's hard to deal with and they're trying. Um, or people ask you, hey, you're, you're, you're not from here. Where are you from? And you say hazard. And then they all do that thing where they all think somehow we're all connected to Bo and Luke Duke. And they say, hey, man, what about the Duke's a hazard? <laughs> and then you slap them in Jesus' name and walk off. And it's just this, hey, you're not from around here, are you? Hey, have you forgotten we're not from here? Not just hazard, the whole world. This world is not our home, followers of Jesus. Amen? This world is not our home. Our home, our home is what Jesus called the kingdom of heaven. So it's heaven right now. But listen, when Jesus comes back, heaven is coming down with him. And when Jesus comes back, he is bringing the new heavens, the new earth down with him. And he is going to make every wrong right. And when Jesus comes back, he will bring lasting shalom all over creation. Did you know that? See, we've got to, we've got to, this is a big deal. We've got to, we gotta expand our mind and broaden our view of what Jesus did on the cross and in the resurrection. I love what Colossians 1, 19 to 20 says this. Watch this, I underlined it. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus. Watch. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself, what are those underlined words? Say it with me. All things. Listen to me. Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection didn't just buy our personal salvation. Jesus also bought cosmic restoration. Why does Jesus walk around and heal people? Here's why. Because in his kingdom there is no sickness or disease. He's bringing heaven to earth. He's bringing the kingdom down. Why does Jesus walk around and drive out demons from people's lives? Because Satan and the demonic realm have no place in Jesus' kingdom. He is making earth look more like heaven. And I want to tell you today, when Jesus saves us, he doesn't save us to take us to heaven. Praise God for heaven, but listen, that is not the only thing that Jesus saves us for. If it was, Jesus would instantly take you to heaven in that moment. Instead, what happens? You meet Jesus, and he leaves you right here. Why? Because now his spirit lives in us. Now we're his sons and daughters and now we are agents of the kingdom and God wants to use us to make Hazard, East Kentucky and wherever God would put us to make earth look more like heaven. To bring the kingdom right here to earth. Listen, is that how you pray for Hazard? Do you even pray for it? Or is the only prayer you pray, Jesus, can you give us a mall? Just a mall. just a mall. Right? Are you praying that the kingdom would come? Are you just cynical? Your eyes kind of glaze over. And listen, a lot of us Christians, we've been guilty. I've been guilty a lot of times. God's used this, uh, getting ready for this in my heart. We just look at our community and we just lose hope. Can I tell you that the people who ought to have the most hope for eastern Kentucky ought to be the church because we know at the end of the day, darkness doesn't win. And we live in a community that's looking for hope, and we are the people of hope. Amen? Man, we, this world is not our home. We are citizens of a different kingdom. What that means is I want God to use my life to bring the kingdom here. I want God to use my life to bring, my, bring the kingdom where I work, where I live, where I play. We are citizens of a different kingdom. Once we get that, all of a sudden we're free to see we don't, we, uh, that we need to love the world and not be afraid of it. We need to love the world and not be afraid of it. See, the Bible tells us to be in the world, not of the world. In the world, not of the world. That's exactly what Jeremiah is saying to the Israelites. I want you to be in the world. Buy houses, raise your kids there, seek the prosperity of the city. But listen, don't worship their gods. Don't value what they value in the world, not of the world. A lot of times when you talk about this, Christians get really scared And really the fears are two. There's really two fears that a lot of Christians have when you talk about loving the world. One is we're gonna be so influenced by the world that we'll become what the Bible calls worldly. Basically meaning there's no difference between us and non-Christians. And so they're like, listen, if we love the world, if we get too close to the world, we'll be influenced by the world and we'll just be like everybody else. A lot of Christians are just so afraid of the world, they're just afraid they're gonna catch something, right? Oh, just don't don't get it on me. Don't get it on me, right? Right? I love how Jesus prayed for the disciples in John 17. Look at these verses here. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world. Don't take the disciples out of the world. They need to be in the world. They're salt and light. Don't take them out of the world, even as I am not of it. They're not of the world. Watch this. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How can we be in the world and make a difference and change culture instead of culture instead of culture rather changing us, how can we do it? Jesus says it. Sanctify them, set them apart by the what? Truth. Your word is truth. We need to let the Holy Spirit constantly speak into our lives and change us using this word. We need to let the word of God transform us. The truth of God's word transform us so that we can see this world's not my home. Man, i got different values. i got different ideas. I've got different goals. And as we do that, we're, it frees us more and more to be in the world, but not of the world. Another fear that we have when we talk about loving the world is some people are afraid that if we start to love the world the way that we're talking about here, where we just love people and we want to go to the world no matter who people are, no matter where they've been. A lot of Christians are afraid, you know what, if we do that, then we'll compromise and we won't call sin, sin. And here's what we need to see. Jesus was full of grace and truth, right? Jesus was full of grace and truth. See, some people are all grace and no truth. So you can live however you want, do however you want. God loves you. You never have to repent of sin. You never have to change anything. All grace and no truth. Some people are all truth and no grace. We call those people jerks, right? Don't look at them, right? Jesus was full of grace and truth. Goes to the woman at the well, and he talks about living water and how God wants to change her life, and then he confronts her on the fact that she's committed adultery and that she's got some sin in her life, and God loves her, and God can change her, but God wants a relationship with her, grace and truth. See, here's where the world messes up, and this is a key opportunity for the church to change the whole world. The world that we live in right now says, if you don't agree with everything in my life and affirm everything in my life, then you hate me, you're a bigot, and you're intolerant. And we need to let the world know that I can disagree with you and love you at the same time. Amen? I can disagree with you, and I can still be your friend. And that doesn't mean I agree with everything you're doing. That doesn't mean I agree with everything that you say. I can love you and affirm that you are an image bearer of God. Even though I am praying that God maybe changes some things in your life, I can love you, grace, and give you truth at the same time. Because listen, in the kingdom we're a part of, grace and truth aren't enemies, y'all. They're friends. Right? Last thing, and then we're done. Last thing. We're gonna share God's heart. We need to see, man, we're not a citizen of this kingdom. We need to love the world, not be afraid of it. Here's this: we need to realize the world doesn't exist for us, we exist for the world. World doesn't exist for us, we exist the world if you forget every verse we've read this morning would you remember verse 7 let me read it again seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare seek the welfare of the city Israel don't go in there and shop all the time and buy all kinds of stuff and build houses and make it about you let me use you to bring the kingdom right there to Babylon Babylon does not exist for you you exist for it. See, it's really easy to live our whole lives as a consumer, isn't it? Right? We just shop and we go and we buy, and we constantly think, what is in it for who? Me, us. What can this city give me? What can this city provide me? What can this city do for me? What do it when will the people of God start to ask, What can we do for the city? Amen? Listen, God might tell you, hey, I want you to leave. I want you to leave. But here's where a lot of us need to begin to challenge ourselves. Train's here. Um, There's your ticket out. There's your ticket. Free tickets this morning, y'all. Some of us are thinking, you know what? One day I'm going to start a business. What if you started that right here? You know what? One day I'm going to try to make a difference in the world. What if you started to try to make that difference right here? Well, Mark, what if I do that and it fails? you know what, a lot of us live safe lives and too many people never fail at anything because they never try anything. Just try it, just try it. And begin to see, what what if the world, this city doesn't exist for me, but I exist for it. Jesus said he didn't come to be served, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I am telling you, there is a shift that happens in our hearts when we begin to say, it is not about us. It is about God and his kingdom coming through my life. And so over the next few weeks, over the next few weeks, if you and I, if we would lean in to everything that God has for us over the next few weeks, our hearts might begin to change. Our lives might begin to change. And God might give us a new vision, a different vision than we've ever had before. And maybe as God changes us, God would change our community. And so one of the things we're gonna do over the next couple of weeks is we're gonna give you several opportunities to serve over the next few weeks. Because listen, love in the Bible is not talk, it's action. If I love you, I'm gonna do something for you. So we're giving you, giving our church, opportunities to serve in different avenues and venues in our city, in our community. So, so we're going to give you several opportunities to serve. Now, the look of some of your faces, you're already checking out, you're packing up your belongings, you're always oh, talking about opportunities to serve, he's talking to somebody else. I'm talking to you, dude. All right, don't check out right now. Don't start backing up your luggage, all right, getting on the plane to leave. All right, train is gone, you missed it, all right. This Wednesday at 6.30, we're going to go to Second Chance Mission, Second Chance is an amazing ministry here in our town. Sarah Burton, Amber, several of them are are just doing an amazing job over there. This Wednesday at 6.30, we're gonna go to Second Chance. Number one, we're gonna serve dinner for the homeless and other people who are gonna be there, all right, and number two, we're gonna help them with several things that need to happen there in Second Chance. Second Chance, man, God has just done way more than anybody could have asked or imagined through that ministry, and we're gonna help them clean and do a lot of things. If you have a truck, drive that truck so we can uh, haul several things off but this Wednesday at 6:30 everyone I'm inviting all of you guys. Join us at Second Chance Mission. If you want to be a part of that, you can sign up for it right now on the Summit app, or you can go out there to the welcome area. There's a, sh- a sign-up sheet out there. If you've got questions, you can sign up for it. The Wednesday after that, Wednesday August 1st, we're going to have a block party right here at our church. We're going to invite everybody we possibly can. But I will tell you, who we're really going to focus on? We're really going to focus on right here where we are, because. Our church now has something we've never had before. You know what it is? Neighbors. Does anybody have just mean neighbors? Raise your hand. No, actually, don't. That's a horrible thing. Don't do that. Don't. Don't. (laughs) Second chance. Second thought. Don't do anything there. Right? You know who should be the best neighbors? The church. Amen. Man, my prayer for our church, listen to me, my prayer for our church is that the neighbors we have, this community right here around us, they would say, you know what, maybe I don't even go to that church. I might not even believe what they believe, but thank God that Summit moved into the neighborhood. Our neighborhood's better because that church moved in. We should want that. Hello? 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 I'm going to say hello till everybody says amen. Hello? I'm going to come at you, y'all, all right? Come on now. Hope House has asked us if we could come and paint a few rooms in there. So the week after that, in three weeks, we're going to go and paint a couple of rooms in Hope House. They came to me, and they asked for some help. And I said, hey, we would love to try to do that for you. Another thing we're going to do beginning next Sunday, beginning next Sunday, second chance, they are trying to get a lot of backpacks and school supplies for kids in our area. We want to meet that need and, by God's grace, even hopefully go beyond it and uh, and just get a lot of of resources in. Next Sunday, we're going to put it out online, uh, on social media, on email, and that sort of thing. If you've never heard about this yet, we're gonna ask you to bring backpacks, school supplies for kids right here in this area. But this is an opportunity for all of our church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I think, I think that the world would listen to sermons and things that the church would say if the church would go to the world and be the hands and feet of Jesus first. If love would compel us to go, I believe that love would also compel people to listen. Right? That was good. I'd tweet that. If love would compel us to go, I didn't say that at 9.30. Oh man, it's happening, y'all. If love would compel us to go, love would compel people to listen. All right. Here's what we're going to do. In that verse, verse 7, he says, pray for the welfare of the city. We're going to pray. And And I'm gonna give you some moments here to let God show you places and people in our city that may be broken. You might not even know why this comes to mind, but just roll with it anyway. I'm gonna ask God, we're gonna give God some space here to bring places and people in our community to your mind. And I just want you to begin to pray for the shalom, the peace of God, the kingdom of God to come in those places and in those peoples and then finally, in our hearts. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, right now, we just, we just ask that you would move. We, we wanna give you room right now to speak to us and, and to bring things to our mind, to bring things to our hearts. And, and God, that you would give us your heart for this city. You'd give us your heart for Eastern Kentucky. You'd give us your heart for Hazard. And so God, right now, would you show us, would you bring the mind Places in our community that are broken and need the kingdom to come. And just whatever's coming to your mind right now, whatever's coming to your mind, when you just begin to pray for that, you might not even know why you're thinking of that. You might not even know what to say, but just lift that up to God and say, God, this is yours. Just let your peace come. Maybe you're thinking about a school you don't even go to or your school. Maybe you're... Maybe you see an apartment complex here in town. Maybe you see a street name. Maybe you're seeing a family. And now would you just ask God, God, would you just show us issues of darkness, places of darkness that we've just accepted as reality in our community, but you want to change? Maybe it's an addiction issue. Maybe it's something with families. Maybe it's something that you you have have seen as, as God's just taking you around our community, but it could be just a place of brokenness, something in our community. And everybody, oh, well, it's always been this way. And God is speaking to you and he's saying, it doesn't have to be. Just lift that up to God right now. And now would you take a moment... And would you pray for people who do not know Jesus Christ? Who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior and need Him? And and now, would you ask God, God, show me anything in my heart that needs to change? so that my heart can look like your heart, so that your love for this city can start to flood my heart. Jesus, would you, would you show me any place in my heart? Would you examine my heart right now and show me anything I need to surrender, anything I need to give up, anything that I need to change, anything that I need to confess and ask forgiveness for? God, would you show me what that is so that my heart can begin to transform and change the way that we're talking about this morning? And don't try to hide from it. Don't ignore it. Don't try to make excuses. Now, how many of you with every single head bowed, with every eye closed, you just raise your hand to say, God is showing me something that needs to change in my heart right now. Pray for me. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up all over this room. Praise God for that. God is really showing me something. Just right now, if you raise your hand, just begin to talk to God specifically about that. God, we just pray for that. Pray for freedom. Pray for change. Pray that your Holy Spirit... Brother, that your spirit would move in such a way that God, we would just see whatever that is dislodged from our hearts and your kingdom would come. And maybe you're here today and you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've never, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you for your sin. I want you to know today that maybe you're a great person. Maybe you're a really good person. Maybe. Maybe you even believe that Jesus is real. But have you ever personally realized that what he did, he didn't just do that for the world, he did it for you. That you've sinned and you need forgiveness. That apart from Jesus, we have nothing. Is that you today? Do you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time? If so, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Some of you just pray for people in this room, or maybe people who are, maybe even watching online who, who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Just begin to pray. But if you're here today and you need Jesus in your life, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me and listen to me. This prayer is not a get out of hell free card. It's not a one-way ticket to heaven and I can live however I want. This is a prayer that says, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to start living for you today. Jesus, I need you in my life. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life right now and save me today. Make me new. Be my Lord and my Savior. And help me today to start living for you. Jesus, come into my life and change me today. In your name I pray. Amen. Listen, no heads are looking up, no eyes or open or anything like that. But if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to pray with you and just encourage you today and celebrate with you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. But today, if you just asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior for the very first time, you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand right now to say, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus for the first time. Raise your hand right now. That's you, amen. 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 Praise God. God, I thank you for right now, for grace, for mercy. God, that your kingdom is coming right now in this room. This is not just a bunch of people here praying. Your kingdom is coming. You're you're changing our hearts. You're changing our perspective. The kingdom is coming. And we want it to come more. And so God, have your way. We love you. Thank you for the kingdom that's come into our lives. Thank you for the peace that's invaded our lives. God, we're not perfect, and we still battle fear and insecurity and anxiety and, 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 and doubts and fears, all these things, but, God, we have tasted that peace, we have tasted that kingdom, and it is good, and, God, that we would have more of it. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, and everyone said amen. Church, let's give God praise. Let's celebrate who he is and what he's done in our lives.